Hey there, I'm Dr. Jerry Crete. Welcome to Be With The Word. This is the weekly podcast where I reflect on the Sunday readings and give it a psychological or mental health spin. Uh, I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist and professional counselor in Atlanta, Georgia. And you're listening to a Souls and Hearts program. And excited to be here with you. Uh, this is the second Sunday of Lent, and this is episode 67. Uh, if you're interested, you can go and listen to my other sister podcast, Hear the Word, and I will read the Sunday readings to you there. And I'll do a guided meditation. And in that meditation, I kind of do a, um, a Dan Siegel type meditation where uh, I help you kind of get in touch with the expanse of how great our universe is that God created. And, uh, and I do that and link that up with the readings, which have to do with the transfiguration. So I thought that was a perfect uh, combination there. But in, today, I'm going to talk a little bit about, um, well, I'm certainly going to talk through these readings, and I'm going to get into the topic of dissociation, because I started that last week. Um, and in particular, I want to look at the parasympathetic nervous system, in particular, the ventral vagal. Uh, operation. Okay. And those are a lot of big words. <laughs> if you're just listening uh, and you don't know what those mean, that's what those words mean. It's okay. I'm going to explain them a little bit in a moment. Um, the first reading is the one where Abraham takes his son Isaac up to the mountain to sacrifice him because God apparently asked him to. And then, then when he's about to do it, God or the angel asks, tells him not to, and then he's rewarded for his great faith. All right, that's a tough reading, right? Because the whole idea of Abraham being willing to kill his son is probably difficult for most of us to imagine. I'm going to put this in perspective with dissociation and our nervous system, and maybe even get a perspective on the biblical situation in ancient times. All right, so for the ancient Hebrews, right, before this point in time, the, um, they're all the religious cult groups around them, so all of the um, different Babylonian and Chaldean and, and Mesopotamian religions practiced child sacrifice. You have to remember that the context was that you had to appease an angry God right? In order to get benefits and blessings. So this connects with what I was talking about last week, which is the Hebrew notion of life and death. And that the more you moved, you know, in, in a situation where there was loss of blood or loss of bodily fluids, you move toward death, right? Even things like menstruation and certainly childbirth for women required ritual purification, right? Uh, certainly a man going out into battle where he was close to death, certainly if he had been wounded or injured, he has now moved closer to death, right? And so he was farther away from the living. And the Hebrews, of course, had an understanding that when you died, you died. You didn't, there was no understanding of an afterlife at that point. You went to the land of the dead. That was it. So for the ancients, it was a really big deal for someone obviously to move toward death. Okay. 
even having sex moved you a bit toward death because there was fluids were were were, were released. So there we get a co- early concept of, of of how why they saw sex as obviously brings life, ironically, but also um, caused a loss of fluids. All right, what does this have to do with Abraham? Well, um, sacrificing his son would would have been in a way giving his son to death in a sense as a way to preserve life right and he was willing and the people around them did that ritually and so this passage is really kind of unique uh because well the the jewish religion the hebrews were um the old covenant uh the counter with yahweh is unique because it tosses out the window these ancient beliefs in so many different ways and re-expresses them into deep 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 truths and so the deep truth here is that god is not actually an angry god who has to be appeased but god wants to be in relationship with his people and he wants his people to trust and have faith in him he wants them to be obedient because it will bring good to them right we have a tendency to want to do things because it's just our will or something we think we, we were going to get something out of it but it's actually not for our good in some way right and we resist anyone telling us anything different really it's very much like a little a child right it wants to grab something and it's not for their own good or it could cause them danger and the parent stops them and the child has a tantrum right or tries another way (laughs) so really we're a lot like children in this regard what god is trying to tell us in this passage is that he doesn't want our death he does definitely doesn't need sacrifice he wants commitment and trust and relationship and that's what takes me into discussing the parasympathetic nervous system because basically um, as I've talked before if you've ever heard me talk about trauma and anxiety and all this stuff we we can't help but get around this whole theory which um, the fight and flight and freeze thing the polyvagal theory Um, you know uh, it's it's important to understand that when we are threatened our body naturally goes into a fight or flight stage which is called the sympathetic nervous system it's aroused and it and our body is meant to tense up our bodies our blood pressure is meant to rise we are parts of our brain are meant to go more offline and other parts are meant to activate it's part of survival right and the um but we also have a system the parasympathetic nervous system which is meant to help us feel and experience safety right it's it's where we get a sense of trust in relationship right we are socially engaged with other people and it's for our good and their good it's mutual and it works and we feel trust right um, when you think about it, as human beings, we would have a really difficult time surviving in, a, in this world 
on our own without any social connections. We wouldn't we wouldn't be able to make it. All right. We also know that there's some um, hormones that are released, like oxytocin, when we're in this parasympathetic or ventral vagal system arousal uh, uh, or state. We we have oxytocin, for example, is released. That's the same hormone that is in, released in high doses during labor to induce labor, but it's when uh, even in, in, in terms of uh, lovemaking with the spouse, uh, deep friendships and connections, oxytocin is a love hormone, so to speak. So it bonds us, it connects us, it helps us to be attached. It is an important, um, it's an important chemical there that is released. All right, um, so this development has to happen throughout our lifespan. And so what I think is so cool about this first reading, as difficult as it kind of is, is that it's really the beginning here of God saying to his people, I want a relationship of safety and connection with you. And that to me is extremely powerful. And then we move along, right? And we hear even the words in the Psalm that say, I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. You know, so it's so powerful that he's like, I will walk before the Lord, right? So in other words, God is with us in that whole experience. We're not alone walking through the shadow of death, so to speak. He's bef We walk with him, right? And we, uh, um, you know, it says, to you will I offer sacrifice of thanksgiving. I will call upon his name. My vows to the Lord I will pay in the presence of all his people. And, and it's, it's a real, a joyous kind of celebration of that connection. And then, of course, what do we hear St. Paul say? He says, if God is for us, who can be against us? In other words, and he reverses this whole <clears throat> idea, right? Of Abraham was willing to offer his son, right? And God says, no, I don't, I, 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 I don't want you to do that. But God himself offers his son. So he says, he who did not spare his own son. <clears throat> Excuse me, and this is where I get in my tea. Uh, I'm a green tea addict and my throat starts to get sore. I go for my green tea. I like to keep it warm. All right, and so he says, um, he who did not spare his own son, but handed him over for all of us, how will he not also give us everything else along with him? In other words, I'm like a parent to you that will take care of you, right? Um, he won't, I will not condemn. It's beautiful. It's a powerful um, expression of how much God wants us. All right. Then we go to the, the big stuff, the really good stuff here in the Gospel of Mark, and which is the shortest of the stories of the Transfiguration. And by the way, I'm a huge fan of the Transfiguration. I named my practice the uh, Transfiguration Counseling and Coaching. I um, love all the thematic elements related to the Transfiguration. I could go on and on about it. If, you, uh, if you're watching on YouTube, hear the word. I do it up in my chapel room. I have a giant transfiguration icon behind me. I love 
the transfiguration. <laughs> so I, but I will contain myself a little bit and try to just be concise and also get to the main points that connect us with dissociation and the parasympathetic nervous system. All right. Jesus took Peter, James, and John. He led them up a high mountain. Another important piece. Uh, first of all, there's the three of them, which is interesting and symbolic, right? They're his closest kind of um, uh, subgroup within the apostles. But he takes them. Jesus leads them. They're not just sent to go to the mountain. Many, we see Moses having to do that. But, we, but there they're taken. He leads them. And then he's transfigured before them. His clothes are dazzling white and all that. So we see that Jesus reveals who he is. He reveals his divine nature. They'd experienced his human nature. Now they're experiencing his divine nature. It's, to me, a most powerful experience of God's intimacy with his apostles in that moment. Right? They can't even handle that level of intimacy. They can't handle that, that much of God's presence. Right? So they, you know, we know in the other passages, uh, it's not emphasized in Mark, but we know that they're, they experience fear and they're, they're kind of lying on the ground. And so it's powerful. But that's how much God wants us to know him. Right? That he would reveal himself so deeply in this passage. Um, then we have, um, oh, this little passage I wanted to share. It's, I, I got it from St. John uh, Damascus. I have seen the human form of God and my soul has been saved. So interesting, I think, as a passage, uh, as a little quote, because it's the human form of God. So in other words, seeing Jesus and not and seeing all of Jesus. How powerful is that? How beautiful it is to see all of Jesus. All right. And now then we also can't not notice the fact that Elijah and Moses show up. And it's you, the most of the commentators will, will say, well, Elijah represents the prophets and Moses represents the law. So it's kind of like the fullness and the combination of all of them. I think that's probably accurate, right? But St. John Chrysostom, one of my favorites, and as I but I'm still an amateur, I'm a learner in, in, in the early fathers. But St. John Chrysostom actually says that Elijah represents the living and Moses represents the dead. And the reason being that Moses, of course, had died, but Elijah um, was taken up into heaven in his chariot. So he actually represents this connection between death and life between Moses and Elijah. I think that's fascinating because it fits perfectly with my theme of death and life and how the gospel and how Christ himself turns on its head what the Hebrews had believed about life and death. Because as we know, what is coming, right, is that Jesus is going to be crucified. So he is going to die in order to bring life which is, in other words, he's going to spill his blood so that others will have life, which is the opposite of what I was saying before, that the Hebrews all believed, that when you spill blood, you move toward death. And in Jesus' case, it takes us toward life. He reverses it. It's powerful. 
death cannot contain Christ. Death tries to take him because of the spilled blood of his, the loss of life. But in fact, it gets God. And death itself is conquered. And that is what this is all leading up to. And in fact, because death is conquered, we ourselves are going to be called into life into a new life and a new transfigured life so with faith the kind of faith that abraham has right the kind of faith uh, that um these apostles well will have <laughs> more fully we are able to enter a begin a path up a mountain where we ourselves will be transformed right but it, we will be in a state right of parasympathetic nervous system we will be in a state of safety and calm and trust and connection even through death that's radical that's the story of the saints if you read the early martyrs that's what they were right even when was it uh, some of my favorite St. Lawrence was being burned at the stake and he said, turn me over. I'm not done on this side. But I mean, it's a little fun. It's quite funny. But but even the 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 saints thrown into the lions, right? Into the Colosseum with the lions. They walked into death without fear. Powerful. Um, now, that's because somehow they overcame the natural order. Right, that is the sign of, uh, of of sainthood. Now, are we there? No, most of us. I mean, I don't know about you. I'm not there. I'm on my way. I hope. I'd like to believe uh, that I'm on my on my way to sanct uh, to being fully sanctified, right, and and transformed in God. But that's what He's calling us to. That's what's so exciting. All right. So I know I'm preaching a lot today, but I think I did give you some of the science as well uh, in terms of this. I want to also just give a little quote because I was looking at some stuff here. And St. Gregory of Nazianzus, another early church father, one of the fathers, one of the Cappadocian fathers uh, of the early church said, what is not assumed is not healed. And what is united to God is saved. So what I love about that is that we bring all of our trauma all of our anxiety, all of our hurts, all of our broken hearts, and we bring that to God. We allow that to die with him on the cross in order to be saved with him. And it's, and it's the opposite of our instincts in some ways. And yet it's very transformative and powerful. All right, that's all I've got for you today. I'm trying to keep these under 20 minutes. <laughs> I'm doing just okay. I'm just about there. And uh, really enjoy uh, getting into these readings and really applying them to some aspect of psychology, some aspect of the behavioral sciences. I hope you'll join me over at soulsandhearts.com. Uh, also join uh, Dr. Peter, his podcast. We've got all kinds of courses, all kinds of things going on. And every week you'll get an update if you sign up uh, on our website. Um, and also, if you're not listening to Dr. Peter's podcast, uh, uh, his interior therapist podcast, uh, you're missing out on a lot. Uh, I just did an interview with him, a two-parter, 
on um, pornography. So if you're interested in that, he's touching on all kinds of powerful topics for masturbation, pornography, other sexual issues these days that, you know, we're going to be uh, touching on, he's going to be touching on tough issues and I'll be jumping in every once in a while when he, uh, when he wants me. <laughs> uh, and uh, anyhow, so uh, we've just got tons of stuff coming your way, uh, all bringing our faith together with um, what we believe to be sound, good psychology and, uh, and, and so that it's effective and helpful for everyone. All right. I hope you have a great week. Uh, I'm hoping that you're having a blessed uh, Lenten season. Uh, I pray for you and all of our listeners. Till next time, be still, believe, be loved. Take good care.